Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. Summertime podcast. What antiques were we talking about this week? Uh, this is a request from, I believe you, uh, wanted to talk about the differences between tea, coffee, chocolate, and demitasse cup and pot sets. Hell yes, because these are always so freaking cute whenever I saw them in the antique store and I could never tell any of them apart. It's very difficult. <laughs> but we're going to talk about what makes each of these unique in their own special way and hopefully give you a primer on how to tell them apart when you see them. Hell yeah. So we begin with the ubiquitous and most commonly encountered tea pot and tea cup. For tea. Usually. Oh, already we <laughs> generate controversy. No, the teapot is only for tea. <laughs> and if you use it for anything else, I'll find you. Oh no. That's also a joke. We do have fun here. <laughs> Some of the unique features that make a teapot distinct from other pots you'll find. You will be unsurprised to find that they tend to be short and stout. Here is their handle, here is their spout. They have handles and they have spouts. Teapots tend to be lower and with a really like low round shape because that is the ideal circumstances that tea steeps under. You want lots of space for the tea to move through the water and disperse. Tea enjoys being in globes. It does. The more you know. So uh, there are tall teapots, but you will find that a tall teapot, especially like a high quality or good t teapot, will still have a round belly at the bottom. For swishing. For proper tea circulation, just like your body. And that's why my body is so round. Because you put tea in it? <laughs> yes. Well, you do do that. I've seen that. Other things that a teapot has that are unique to the teapot is that it has a strainer or a grate before the spout to filter out leaves. You will actually find that contemporary teapots do not have this because eventually people moved on to separate strainers. But it used to be you just dumped it all in the pot. This is the most important and most critical way to spot a teapot versus any other kind. The spout will be in the middle of the pot. No matter how tall or short it is, the spout will be as close to the middle as it could be. At middle height. Middle height. This is to prevent tea leagues clocking up the spout if they get stuck. The spouts also tend to match the body in being short and stout. And when they get all steamed up, it is recommended that you tip them and power them out. Can do. As for the teacup, teacups are traditionally and at their best when they are low with a wide mouth. Tea is generally steeped and prepared at boiling temperatures, so you want to cool it off to drinking temperature as fast as possible. And historically, the tea that people would be drinking from basically the 1700s through the Victorian era, would be closer to what we'd consider lukewarm. So they'd be waiting until it reached from boiling to lukewarm temperatures before they consumed it. Yeah, which is why the pots and the cups are kind of designed to help the water cool as fast as possible. I see. Teacups are pretty large because you were drinking tea with most meals. And of course, they get larger the closer to contemporary they are in age. And a lot of people have basically pointed out that a teacup is and should be essentially just a bowl with a handle. Sounds perfect. Yeah, this is because originally China and Japan at different stages, they drank tea that was just in a bowl. And they had a good sense of what made tea taste good. So it made sense to just copy that and put a handle to make it easier to not burn your fingers. Yes. Teacups do have small handles almost all of the time. At most, will accommodate two fingers. And... Here it is, the Coupe de Grasse, a teacup, should fit roughly within the dimensions of 3.5 to 4 inches in diameter. This is across the mouth. 
Saucers should always be present with any handled teacup and should be 5 to 5.75 inches in diameter. Generally, you will find that teacups are bigger than every other kind of cup. As far as tea, coffee, demitasse, and chocolate are concerned. Yes, this is not actually accounting for mugs, which of course are now the most common way to imbibe all these hot liquids. Which brings us to our next quandary, and I find this actually, once you get the hang of it, is the easiest to identify, the chocolate pot. Or, as it is properly known, a chocolatière. Chocolatière? Huge surprise, they're French. (laughs) Sacre bleu. While hotted chocolate... Sorry. That's one of those jokes that always gets to me. It's extremely good, is the thing. <laughs> so I, I believe on my bim bam they said macaronied and cheese and I lost it. <laughs> um, <laughs> drinking chocolate was imported to Spain through the conquistadors from the Aztec cultures. Aztec and Maya, I believe, both used chocolate. Drinking chocolate spread across Europe from Spain usually among the upper classes because chocolate was difficult and expensive to import from the Spanish colonies. But it really became a fashion drink amongst the upper class in France. Hence the development of a pot that would play to all of chocolates as a liquid's greatest strengths. Important to note to me that drinking chocolate is not what you're thinking now, like a Nestle powder. It was pretty much an extremely heavy and bitter syrup. Hell yeah. Yeah, it was much closer to just melted chocolate later mixed in with a little bit of milk. And I don't think they would add sugar until the Victorian era. So the chocolate pot is, like I said, engineered specifically to enhance the aroma and flavor of hot chocolate. The pots are almost always tall and slender and either arched or fluted if they have any kind of decoration on them. This is to hold in the heat and to keep it at a pleasant hot temperature for drinking. The spout does not have a grate or strain in it, because there is nothing to strain. They tend to be taller than a teapot, but shorter than a coffee pot, which is between 8 and 13 inches tall. And two of the most important things that will help you identify a chocolate pot is that the spout is small and very wide, and either very close to the lid or attached to the rim before the lid. So always up at the top near the lid. And usually two fingers wide. I find that this makes them very easy to identify at a glance because no other hot liquid pot has this feature. It is wide to allow froth to pour out alongside the liquid, which leads me to my next important identification for a chocolate pot, is that the cap or lid on top is generally almost absurdly tall and wide and hollow to allow for a wood frothy air to be placed in the pot. Something to stir it up and make it frothy? Yep. It froths it up, which emulsifies the ingredients for best aroma and flavor. Now I'm just craving chocolate. Honestly, looking this up made me want traditional, like, syrupy hot chocolate so bad. Have you ever read the novel Swords Point by Ellen Kushner? Absolutely not. Tell me about it. It's very good. It's about gay sword duelists in pretendy funtime fantasy Europe. But there are a lot of scenes of just, like, chocolate drinking (laughs) that are just very evocative and always make me crave chocolate. Yeah. It's a good book. Go read it. Anyway, chocolate. Hey, you're getting book wrecks with this. Do you like to read about chocolate? Read that book. Also, are you gay? Read that book. (laughs) (laughs) The frothier became more important as people found that milk generally enhanced the flavor and aroma of the chocolate, at which point people just sort of, like, had a lot of fun with putting froth on top. As for the chocolate cup, they are less uniform in height than the other two cups, but always smaller and taller simultaneously. 
They are extraordinary cute little cylinders. Yeah. And they're always so <laughs> delicate. I don't know if it's just like the straight cylindrical shape that sets it off, but they always taper to such a fine, thin point. It's almost like they made the clay paper thin and then just wrapped it around and fired it perfectly and beautifully. It's probably a combination of what you're thinking of, both the fact that they are always like kind of narrow and either straight or fluted sides to match the pot. And the fact that they are most commonly from Limoges, France, which was best known for its extremely delicate eggshell porcelain. Gorgeous. Yeah, all my favorite examples are, in fact, Limoges porcelain. They almost always come with saucers, much like teacups, because the narrow nature of the cups does make it very easy to spill. And ideally, a set should have cups, saucers, a pot, and a matching porcelain tray. So cute. Roughly, you can tell because a chocolate cup should hold about four ounces of liquid. In the field, this will be very hard to prove. <laughs> um, I'm just picturing you just standing in the aisles of an antique store, covertly pouring water from a water bottle into the demitasse and teacups and <laughs> coffee cups and chocolate cups, trying to prove just how many ounces they will hold. I'm not going to lie. I have known people who collect cups and saucers of all stripes that did that to prove that there weren't any leaks. <laughs> We had one customer who regularly came in and eventually we would just give her our watering, like our little watering vase for the plants so that she could test all of the cups and saucers. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Some cracks are really hard to see and do make it impossible to use the cup. True. So chocolate cups also have small handles. This less by design and more because the cups themselves are very small. And while it is usually a single handle, there is a kind of French, of course, French chocolate cup called the Trembleuse or Tasse Trembleuse, which originated in Paris from the 1690s and was supposed to help people drink the small chocolate cups with less spillage because they were harder to hold without your hands kind of naturally trembling. Hence Trembleuse. Oh. Um, so they were just usually your standard size chocolate cup, about four ounces liquid, with two handles, perhaps a lid, and a saucer that might be attached. So that's a fun variation you can look for. Coffee cups and coffee pots, and when I say coffee cup, I mean a traditional breakfast coffee cup and not a mug. Oh, for fancy coffee. Coffee cups and pots can be a little more difficult to differentiate between tea cups and pots because they were often actually made as sets, so if they were made to match, it can be harder to spot the differences between them. I'll try to help you. Yay! A coffee pot is tall and slender with narrow and straight sides like the chocolate pot, very rarely fluted or decorated the same way. This is to keep heat in because coffee is meant to be enjoyed as hot as you can stand. So heat loss is not desirable. The spout has a grate or strain to prevent any like grounds getting in. And the most important thing to tell them apart is that the spout is, first off, very long and thin so that the coffee doesn't splash. And the spout is always located close to the base of the pot as possible. Ah, so unlike a teapot where it would be in the midsection, the coffee pot is low spouted. Yes, that's to maintain the heat as it pours. Oh. So yeah, the rough and dirty guide to this is spout placement is going to be your first line of defense in determining what liquid goes in a pot. All right. Coffee cups to match that are also usually upright and either narrow and straight to match the pot or generally just taller and more closed in at the top with not quite as wide a bowl. This is to hold in the heat to keep it as hot as possible for as long as possible. And the handles are larger and should accommodate anywhere from two to three fingers. Now, let's throw a wrench in the works. A demitasse cup. Now, Dee, a question I've wanted to ask you for years and years. 
What is a demi-toss cup? Demi-toss translates directly from French into half cup. So it's a half cup cup. Half of what cup? Who fucking knows? It could be literally tea or coffee. It's generally not chocolate because that's already pretty small. (laughs) Although it's notable that they are actually smaller than chocolate cups, even if it's just in terms of height. So they're eensy. Yeah. They tend to be used more often for strong coffee. Espresso is classically what the Demitas is related to. Oh. I think there's a brand of espresso called Demitas. Huh. They don't always have a saucer because there just isn't really enough to warrant splashing. Although if they're part of a matching set, they might have saucers that'll match the like the accompanying teacups. Luckily, there are some hard measurements on the Demitas that can kind of help you along. It should hold about two to three ounces of liquid and should be two to two and a half inches in diameter across the bowl. And the saucer, if present, should be four to four and a half inches in diameter. They actually hold pretty tightly to these measurements, which will be your only salvation in figuring out what it is. Other cups you might get these things fucked up with include the bouillon cup. Bouillon? Bouillon. Bouillon? That's uh, for drinking a, th- <laughs> a bouillon. For drinking chicken stock? Pretty much, yeah. You, you do that? I believe bouillon cups would get renamed cream soups. Or I actually think a cream soup... Mu- Never mind, I'm sorry. This is completely incorrect. A cream soup is slightly larger than a bouillon cup. Just a little teacup of soup. Yeah, it was for basically any kind of like thin broth that you would have... Probably, like, between courses. Just a eensy little teacup of refreshing soup. Yeah. A clear soup can be very clarifying taste for the buds. I don't know why I'm struggling so hard with this concept, but it's honestly a lot. (laughs) I don't know why either. I'm actually really... You've done a lot of research into, like, multi-course meals and, like, I'm surprised bouillons haven't come up. I guess by the Victorian era, they were out of fashion. If they have come up, no one ever told me that they were going in teacups. <laughs> I mean, they're separate cups, but they are about the size of a teacup. Right, but like, <laughs> I just assumed we were using spoons and bowls. Oh, you still use a spoon. It's a very small spoon. Oh, okay, God. I thought we were just being like extremely literal with cup of soup. Just like, nah, just fucking drink it. I think later that would be the case, but someone can correct me on that. I'm not exactly... <laughs> My expertise isn't how people ate the food, just what they ate it in. BRB chugging ramen. Yeah. Yeah, a bouillon cup is about the size visually of a teacup, but they're much wider and lower and have two large handles on either side. So very similar to a cream soup bowl. Okay. And they have saucers because it's very easy to slop that shit around. Yeah, if you're just chugging soup, there's gonna be spillage. Yeah. I don't personally believe that this is easy to confuse with any of the three category, four categories listed above, but a lot of people listed it in their confusion about, like, telling these things apart. Mustache cups. I love them so much! <laughs> what was that again? I love them so much! Cups with little mustache shields on them! I adore mustache cups. I actually had a small collection for a time. They're so good! They got a little shield in them, so you don't wet your mustache full of tea! Yeah! And, Ken, that's great, because that's exactly how you're going to tell it apart from any other cup. Because it'll have a little shield inside the rim for the mustache. (laughs) And it will be (laughs) mustache-shaped. Because for a long time, there was only one kind of mustache that was fashionable to have. They all look like a fake hipster prank, is the thing. Like, they all look like... (laughs) They all look like they came from Spencer's Gifts in 2010. And yet... (laughs) Which is also just a heads up if you know or love someone who has a mustache. I have yet to encounter a single person with a mustache who isn't delighted by a mustache cup, and they are pretty reasonable in price. 
I think my father would be confused, bordering on offended, but... <laughs> okay, maybe that's an our generation thing. I haven't met anyone roughly my age that wasn't delighted by it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it makes a really good, inexpensive, and fun gift for someone you know with a mustache that they're very proud of. But yeah, those are easy to tell. There's a mustache shape in it. Good God. Sharpen up. That's what I can help you on your mission to buy these things without getting them mixed up with each other. Do you have any questions that I might be able to answer, Ken? I guess my biggest question is, why don't I have all of them in my house right now? Because of money, mostly. Uh, if you want, I know a couple of places where you can get started collecting them. Hell yeah. I find that coffee pots and cups are the hardest to come by. Yeah? Yeah, I find them in much smaller quantities than the than chocolates and teas. Interesting. Especially given as we are situated in America, where coffee kind of overtook tea very quickly. But coffee overtook tea at about the same time that coffee had stopped becoming like an after-dinner ritual, and it started becoming just a thing that seeped its way into every aspect of our lives. With the rise of mugs. With the rise of mugs, um, which I think is why there are just fewer coffee sets, is because it just wasn't as popular as doing tea and chocolate. Okay. I think... I would be interested to see if there's any, like, data behind that, or even if anyone agrees with me. Do you agree or not? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. My ultimate dream is to have one of each of these sets and also have it on a little beverage cart. Hell yeah. Just on display and for tea ceremony. Tea parties with all the friends. God, I love tea parties. Do you want to have a tea party? Hit me up. (laughs) I'll make cucumber sandwiches. Oh, hell yeah, cucumber sandwiches. God, I love cucumber sandwiches. So yeah, I hope you feel more empowered in your understanding of cup and saucer and pot. It's not so scary once you break it down. I mean, it was never scary for me. It was just kind of an enchanting mystery. Ah, well, I'm sorry if I've ruined the enchantment of the mystery for you. Oh no, the solution is just as enchanting, I assure you. Oh, wonderful. Then I'm glad. Sources for today include victoriasrose.wordpress.com Tea, coffee, chocolate pots. (laughs) HeraldTimesOnline.com Vintage cups for coffee, tea, and chocolate. I hope you're getting the idea that a lot of people have been plagued by this question. <laughs> Mariette's back to basics.blogspot.com. Difference between coffee and teacups. The teacup addict.com, in general. And English history authors.blogspot.com. Coffee, tea, and chocolate cup for every occasion. That last one feels particularly pointed. I thought that you might be interested in checking out that blog for a variety of other reasons. <laughs> If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you enjoyed exploring the enchanted mystery of hot liquid pot, consider- <laughs> Love it. Already love it. Yeah. Consider scrolling on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leaving us a 420 star review. Yeah. Or any review. Yeah, that's what we're- that's the joke we're going with today. <laughs> That's the joke I'm going with. You can't... I don't have another one, so, like, you you accept it. Fair enough. <laughs> or any review, honest to God. Even negative reviews get our dulcet tones into a variety of listening ears. If you would like to peruse a wide variety of vintage goods or pick up t-shirts and stickers with the podcast logo on them, you can check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiquesfreaks. Soon, clowns. And rhinestone jewelry. Hell yeah. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or check out our special bonus episode presentation of the Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right. You. Au revoir. Goodbye.